This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today I have a good friend and a fellow pastor and planter within the Soma family of churches, Justin Bindell, joining me. Uh, Justin's a, a church planter and a pastor of Ecclesia in Salt Lake City, uh, which is actually now a, a growing family of churches in the Salt Lake Valley uh, in Utah. And uh, Justin, it's really great to have you on and uh, be talking to you today. Yeah, Brad, thanks so much for having me on. Excited to to join you in this conversation today. Yeah, and we're, we'll talk about just a few things about you that are really uh, interesting, and I think it will be really helpful for all of our listeners, is you've been in the urban center of Salt Lake City, uh, planting in a very typical urban neighborhood. You uh, have led missional communities there. And you've also led missional communities more in the suburbs, a uh, suburban part of Salt Lake City as well. That's where you guys are now, where it's not this tight knit like walking community but it's more of a commuting community with more of a typical suburban values and high religious involvement and those sorts of things and so i think that'll be really great for our listeners to hear about those differences as well as you've led really large missional communities i think it's really helpful for people to talk through those dynamics especially when we often think of numbers and trying to split our communities and things like that so so that's what we'll dive into in a minute. But first, Justin, I, I wanted to ask you to share with our listeners just what it's like for you right now leading a missional community. What's your missional community like these days? Uh, what is disciple making looking like for you? And uh, what's getting you really excited? So that, that really always is encouraging to people. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brad. We um, currently lead a missional community about 15 minutes south of Salt Lake City, uh, suburban neighborhood, like you described. We, we've moved around quite a bit in the last few years since planting four years ago. My wife hopes it's the, the last time we move. So we're, <laughs> we're hoping to, uh, to make this our forever home until God calls us elsewhere. Mm. Our missional community right now, it is fairly large. We're about 40 adults and 25 kids. And so it is mm. uh, crazy and chaotic every time we gather together and uh, a lot of fun. We're striving to make disciples in the Mid-Valley area of Salt Lake City, spending a lot of time in, in neighborhoods there, throwing parties in the park, block parties. We're in partnership with a local elementary school here. And uh, even right now, we just started walking through gospel fluency together, uh, which is exciting. A little plug for that. I, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to here in the, the coming weeks and months is uh, we've been equipping six couples uh, that will eventually be sent out to start new missional communities in the area. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. So are you from, you're not from Salt Lake City. Maybe how did you end up doing ministry where you are? Like how, how did that come about? I did student ministry in Texas for, for 10 years fairly large, very attractional church. And honestly, it was my kind of home church. It's where I poured in as a high school student and 
and then later on had an opportunity to go back and serve there after seminary. And so plugged in there for 10 years and just through that journey, felt like the Lord was calling us to plant uh, somewhere. We didn't know where, but our sending church had a heart for Salt Lake City and was active at helping guys uh, get planted in Salt Lake City and around Salt Lake City. And so they were looking for a planter. We were looking for a place mm. and those we just connected the dots. And uh, so it's really to see even a church in Texas uh, that does ministry much differently than we do here in Salt Lake City. Uh, but yet they got behind us and financially supported us and sent us out. And so in 2014, we we landed here in Salt Lake City with uh, nothing but a dream, uh, a bunch of boxes, and uh, three kids. So that's where we got started. <laughs> that's awesome. And then uh, it's fun. We probably, did we meet in like 2015 or so? Yeah. And, uh, you had gone to Soma School, and then you came to a thing called Soma 201, where we kind of let people who have been implementing missional communities as they plant churches or lead churches coming to this sort of second immersion experience where we kind of talk about how do you lead a church of missional communities, not just how do you lead missional communities. And that's when we first met, uh, which was really, really fun. Yeah, it's been cool to watch your church uh, get established and, and grow. And now you're helping people start other churches in the Valley, right? Yeah, it's it's been really uh, cool to see how that has taken shape. When we first arrived here, we established a relationship um, with a guy named Britton Lewis and his team and family. And those guys uh, would come and visit us and spend time. And so they kind of got to see us launch from the early days and really caught a vision for what we're doing and how we uh, were attempting to saturate the valley with the good news of Jesus. And so they just came alongside us and wanted to learn from us. And uh, eventually we just felt like it was better to, to do this together than, uh, than apart. And uh, so this past January, we joined together as Ecclesia Communities and a family of churches. And it's, it's been really, really exciting. And it's been just nice knowing like you, you have a, a team, you have a family here in the Valley that we're doing ministry with, which has uh, been super encouraging. Yeah, I think that's really, I don't know, it's really hopeful. Uh, not that you guys are super, you know, like your gifting is off the charts, though you, you're super gifted. You one time made me uh, turn over, jump on top of tires so much because you're so physically strong as we did CrossFit <laughs> in your garage. So you're like physically gifted, mentally gifted. Uh, Amber, your wife, is an incredible host and incredible uh, lady of God. And your team is really awesome. Uh, but it's, it's at least for me, from a distance, it's been cool to watch just the evidence of God's grace to yeah, establish these gospel-centered communities living on mission in Salt Lake City and then, yeah, the surrounding area. And that's all just God's grace and His power, especially in, in such a hard, tangibly, visibly hard place to do that. I think it's, it's really cool to see what God's doing in your life. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Brad. We we've been thrilled just to in such little time to see what what God has done. It's it's been incredible. We're just uh, thankful to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Just to transition, you know, you said you have forty adults in your missional community. You have twenty five kids. That's the size of many people's church plants. That's like the size of the church that I was when I was born. That my dad was a pastor of things like that. But 
often people find themselves leading communities that are that big and, and that have that many adults. And so I wonder if you could just sort of speak to what are the challenges plus the, the opportunities that come from being a community like that? I think, honestly, like out, out of the gates, I, th- I think some of the, the biggest challenges is, I mean, initially just space, like where, where can you actually host, you know, 65, 70 people that mm. can think, gather together, you know, weekly and, and within homes. And so we, we've had to be really creative about our spaces and, and how we've, you know, adjusted to accommodate size. And uh, the other challenge that I, I hear regularly, even, even from our missional community is it kind of takes away some of that missional focus. I mean, you, you look around and you're of a size that, you know, we can't take any more people into our home. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think one of the challenges of, of just being able to look around and go, man, I'd, if, if we're mm-hmm. going to go and, and we're going to be missionally inclined, you know, we want to gather more people to come in and be a part of this family. We just, we just don't have the space. Right. And so we noticed that a few months ago and just had to make some adjustments as to how we're going to be family in the, mm-hmm. the next few months and how we can, can seek that out. I mean, one of the reasons I think it's important to state just why, why didn't we just multiply? Uh, why didn't we just send people out? Hmm. And, it, and I think that's important. One of the, one of the things that uh, we were just challenged by early on was you, you can easily just multiply missional communities and not actually multiply disciples. We just become so focused on starting more and more missional communities, yeah. and we're actually not sending out people who are mature enough to actually help others mature mm-hmm. in their faith. And so we gathered people. And we hope to to see them develop and then be sent out. Mm. Uh, for us, it's been a development season. Uh, like I said, we have six couples that we've been uh, shaping, which has been awesome. I think that's one of the opportunities that uh, one of these you know couples is going to actually be sent out to start a new missional community here in a few months in our neighborhood, and and hopefully we'll have have some others follow. That's some of the challenges. I mean, space. Uh, you you look at you know, just the expression of family, that's right. a challenge to, to be um, like on the surface. How do you, how do you actually be family with 75 people? <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're not Latin. Right. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife's family, you know, she has 18 uh, different aunts and uncles, like pairings, like, and then she has, you know, 60 cousins and stuff. So for her, she's like, well, of course you can do, you can do family with like a hundred right. people and you can do family. Like she knows in, intimately second and third cousins, but I think that's not normally our culture here, you know, to, in, in this life uh, or the American culture or the American rat race, even as we get immersed into this culture. So, yeah, I think you're, you're right. It's like most people don't conceive of their family being 40, 50 people. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's hard to care for that many people. Right. Yeah. I mean, when we think about just tangibly like wanting to serve and love and care for our missional community, well, mm-hmm. I mean, a statement we've, we've thrown around, uh, we hijacked this from someone, so I won't take credit for it. If we try and be family with everyone, we end up being family to no one. And, yeah. uh, and so it's kind of the do for one, what you wish you could do for everyone. And so for us in our missional community, 
we've had to break that down into, I mean, really there's three families, mm. you know, three family units within our yeah. missional community family that we're really striving to be family with. Yeah. And so in that, who are the few that, that God's really called us to, to pour into in this season and develop? And we share that load. Um, I mean, that's one of the the gifts of having yeah. a, a large missional community. We can share that that load of shepherding that missional community together with several other gifted leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's almost like in a missional community that size, I think what I'm hearing you say is you end up having this tighter core, perhaps, of leaders that are leading and caring for those people. And then it also sounds like you're saying the missional community almost becomes one of those training hospitals or those university hospitals where you're really caring for people, but you're also training people to like start their own practice or, or to go and lead their own missional communities. That, that kind of seems to become the mission, would you say? Yeah. That kind of becomes a focus for you as a leader. Whereas in smaller 10 or 12 adults, you might be focused more on the mission is actually, you know, the mission of the community and these people out there. But maybe your focus in this season is shifting more towards the equipping of future leaders. Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at it, Amber and I, my wife, we we look at those six couples as uh, that we're developing. And I mean, these are people who said, "Hey, we want to step in. We want to carry the weight and responsibility of leading mm. uh, in our missional community, and also have a desire to to someday be sent out." Yeah. And you know, we believe that there's going to be several more that step into that as we send people out. But these six couples, we, we spend time with them regularly. They're, they're people that we're regularly bringing into our home. Once a month, we're gathering with all of those six couples together and planning out mm-hmm. six to eight weeks ahead. Here's kind of the direction we're going so that they can kind of step yeah. in and help us in that. And so that really has become our, our focus. Yeah, that's really cool. And then I guess, how do you, you know, you said that just the size dynamic, like where are all these people going to be? Right. What are some of the practical things that you've done to, to sort of embrace that challenge? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, when we started looking at it in the, the fall and looking at our size and we quickly recognized that it's easy for people to step in, in that size family and not feel cared for. And honestly, not really having, you know, that discipleship life on life. I mean, it's easy for people to just kind of come in. And, and, and so mm-hmm. we, just, we, we had to figure out a way to within our family to really see all of life together. And so one of the ways that, that we did that in the fall, uh, because we couldn't be outdoors and in Salt Lake City in the fall, it's cold here. Right. We basically broke it down <laughs> into some, some rhythms. I mean, we had our smaller DNA core groups that were happening throughout the week. Uh, and those were ongoing, but as far as a organized mm-hmm. rhythm, the very first week of the month, we, we gathered just the women and the women would come together in our home mm-hmm. and, uh, and gather for that night. The second Wednesday night, we gathered just the guys. The third Wednesday night, we were outward focused on mission in our neighborhood and then the fourth, we came together and that was the night, that was the chaotic night of like having everyone in our home. And that was kind of the family celebration and family meal. Yeah. And so for us, I, mm. ideally, we have other rhythms outside of that, but that was kind of our organized rhythm of our missional community life that 
right. was able to break it down and allow people to come in and see and catch on to some predictable patterns that mm-hmm. were taking shape in our missional community life and, right. and, and being able to hopefully hmm. have some life on life context that they weren't getting in that larger group. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, yeah, so many helpful nuggets there, but one is just having predictable rhythms right? Uh, that, that people can come into a community and, and begin to know what's happening and what's going to work. It's, uh, I think one of the things that you can compare it to is having some, some way that a new person, like whenever you get married and you enter into a new family, uh, your in-laws, and you go to Christmas for the first time, you begin to pick up on these rhythms of like, oh, okay, this is what they do Christmas Eve. This is what they do Christmas morning. They all just sit around and open their presents all at once, like you know, a, a cage match fight. They're like, okay, now I now I know what what it means to engage this family in this holiday. Uh, I think what you're saying is so big, uh, and it becomes even more important with larger communities is to have those predictable entry points and. And then allowing kind of, it seems like what you're saying is allowing those, you know, those markers of like, this is week one, week two, week three, week four, we're going to keep doing this. Uh, that kind of allows the life on life stuff to take place around that. Cause you can't orchestrate for 40 people hanging out, you know, multiple times a week. It's more of that's kind of like the, the deep well that you're kind of putting in the middle of each person's week expecting and hoping that uh, from that people will will connect deeper to one another and to Jesus and and loving their neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the idea. That's great. That's a great idea. <laughs> and I think that's, that's even really applicable for other size communities as well. Uh, but I, I do think that that's legitimate. Even I can think back in Portland one time we had a a missional community that had about 30 adults and then 10 children. And it was, that's just too much space to fit in a small craftsman home in an urban area. Right. Uh, And it was just overwhelming for just my own nuclear family to try to host that many. That's like hosting a massive party every week, you know, that's which most people can go like decades without hosting a party with, you know, 50 people in their house. But we're trying to like do that every week. And we ended up coming to something similar to what you were describing. We we actually began trying to kind of set the stage for multiplication, even though it didn't the leaders weren't super mature yet. But we began, we kind of broke people into three different groups. And on the one week we'd meet in these smaller groups with husbands and wives and single people as well. And they would have smaller dinners where there it'd be more like intimate and uh, caring. And we'd like give the leaders some of those little groups, you know, rails to walk on. And then the other weeks, uh, one week we would do something really big uh, in our house, like a big party, like crazy, like what you were saying. Right. And we removed the expectation we would have this deep, intimate Bible study or something or prayer time. And then the other off week, we would try to do something where we invite people into a local mission. Those are just other ideas, but really similar to what what you were describing, I think there's a lot of creativity for, for people, right? Yeah. And I, and I think that's important. I mean, being able to, to have that space of, of going, Hey, we don't, every area we get the freedom to dream up how we can live this out and how we're going to saturate our neighborhoods with the gospel. 
and we have that freedom to to be able to say, all right, let's let's get creative and come up with with ways to do that. You mentioned earlier just talking about suburban and an urban context. I mean, we've had to to be super creative when we were in the urban mm-hmm. context in smaller homes like you described in Portland. And then even in our suburban areas of like, how are we doing that differently? And like, how are we gathering people differently in the, in the suburban context? And so mm-hmm. it's been really interesting just, uh, I, I mean, I've been a learner as we've been processing mm-hmm. this. So it's been, a, it's, it's been a t- exciting to see how and learn from others as we've spent time with different people just in the Saturate community and Soma family, just like learning how others are doing it. I'm glad you yeah, you brought that up. I think, yeah, that we are always learning and we're always kind of adapting to the culture. And it's in some ways, if you're a preacher, uh, you'll understand that. It's, it's like what we have to do every Sunday, which is connect the truth of God's word, but into the culture and the context of people's lives today. The classic standing between two worlds. But that, that means that not every sermon is the same. In the same way, every missional community is not the same. Even if it's applying the same truths, those applications right. are so numerous. There's like so many different ways of, of structuring it and organizing it. Uh, and what we're trying to do at Saturate is just come up with helpful tools that help people get creative, really. That's, that's kind of the hope. And I, I wonder, too, if you could just speak to the differences between and what you experience starting missional communities in an urban area versus the more suburban context. Right. And, and what those differences are like, because one of the funny things at Saturate we hear all the time is, oh, well, missional communities only work in cities. They won't work where I work or where I live in the suburbs. Or the flip side of that is people in the cities will say, oh, that only works in the suburbs. That doesn't work in cities where I live. <laughs> and we're always scratching our heads like, we know people all over the world speaking all different languages and different income brackets and languages, races, contexts. And it's we're talking about Christian discipleship right. and community. But uh, yeah. anyway, it's helpful for people to hear stories and you've, you've actually experienced both. So that's super helpful. Yeah. And, and, and I've heard similar stories. I mean, even, I mean, being someone who started missional community in, you know, near downtown Salt Lake city, but also having um, missional community leaders planting in the suburbs. I mean, there's a sense of where they felt like I didn't understand some of the challenges they were facing Mm -hmm. as they were striving to live on mission and like just intentionally engage their neighbors. And so we actually just out of, you know, necessity had to, had to move into the uh, suburban area here in Salt Lake city. And, and really that's, that's probably better equipped me to help shape and speak into the life of our church Mm because the majority of our missional communities are actually in suburban areas, all surrounding, you know, city center here. It's been helpful for me to, to see that. Mm. And so, yeah, now that you've had both experiences, how do you help leaders or what are some of the things that you would say to leaders as they're trying to do that creativity piece right. of trying to say, okay, so how are we as a particular people in this particular space, how are we going to follow Jesus faithfully? Yeah. What what sort of advice do you give people yeah. to think creatively? Every city is is different. And so, you know, I'll, I'll describe our context here. The mm-hmm. suburban areas here are it's Utah. So there's a predominant religious group here that is in some ways 
keeps to themselves. And when, when you mm. find yourselves in suburban areas, if you're not a part of that predominant religious group, it's easy to be pretty isolated. And, and, and so intentionally engaging neighbors has been a challenge for several of our missional communities. And so we, we found a lot of people come home, they, they drive in their garage, they let the garage close behind them, and then they get out of their car. And, mm. uh, we just had to to be creative and and help our leaders think through what are some creative ways uh, that we can serve, bless, love, care for our neighbors. And I, I'll just share a story with you. Early on, when we got here, we lived. We actually first moved into a suburban area about 15, 20 minutes south of Salt Lake City, and. Uh, we lived in these townhomes and there were about 15 to 20 other townhomes in our area. And, and my wife and I were just praying, like asking the Lord, how, how can we tangibly share and demonstrate the gospel to our neighbor? How can we bless them? Mm-hmm. And uh, Thanksgiving was coming up. And so we decided, uh, being from the South, every Thanksgiving, we love to fry turkeys. We decided in our neighborhood, we were going to go around. We, we basically put together a little Thanksgiving card. And uh, on that Thanksgiving card, it said, hey, we're the Bendels and we're from the South mm. and we love everything fried. <laughs> and one of our favorite Thanksgiving traditions is frying turkeys. And so we're going to be frying turkeys in our driveway on Thanksgiving Day. And would love for you guys to come over and be a part of that. And maybe you have a turkey that you need fried for your you know, family Thanksgiving party. Nice. And so we had like 10 or 15 families come over and participate in that because they had never seen that before. Right. It was just a creative way to get them out of their homes yeah. and, uh, and to be able to engage them. And so for us, that was a, a huge open door in the, the start of relationships. And I think it's just, it's, it's just requiring creativity to sit you know, and, and go, how, how can we do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and every, every neighborhood's different, right? Right. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I think one of the things that you're doing in that story is you're thinking, well, who are we in particular? You know, well, we're people from the South and this is what we do. And then maybe we can invite people into that. And that would, that could like be a really cool thing for our neighborhood. And that's so, so rich and that's so good. And so I think, yeah, that'd be so good for people even to take away from this is to think through, well, who are we and what are some of the things that we enjoy doing or right. what, what, how can we build community with who we are and you don't have to pretend to be somebody else. You know, I think that's, that's even one of our, our little, you know, sub goals. I think at saturate right now is to try to explain to people that and try to show people a bigger vision for missional community life than just uh, whatever is on the videos or whatever Jared and I are saying on podcasts or whatever Jeff has said in any video as well is it, it doesn't, those are our particular stories uh, with our personalities, but each person is given tons of gifts and opportunities where, where God wants to do different things than what we do. So we don't have to try the same things, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's always a challenge. I mean, no matter where you are, whether you're city center or you know, you're in the suburban context, it's going to require, you know, creativity in how you go about mission and, uh, and how you go about reaching the people yeah. in those areas. Mm-hmm. You know, here in Salt Lake City, in even the houses near downtown are designed in a way that get people outside. And so the houses are mm-hmm. closer together. They have 
huge front porches and no backyards. But then in the suburbs, mm. you have huge backyards and that's kind of where you retreat to. And we absolutely have no porch at all. And so it doesn't necessarily pull you mm. out to the front of your home to engage your neighbor. So you just, I, I think it requires right. creativity and in, in how you go about it. Yeah, that's such a good point. And there are all sorts of clues that our, our context give us, like architecture or the distance people are driving. You know, I think that's one of the really easy markers is how, how far are people willing to drive for their grocery store? Right. That's probably how far they're willing to drive for community. Right. How far are they willing to drive to watch a sporting event? That's probably how far they're willing to drive to worship with you on a Sunday. So I think there's, yeah, there's all sorts of like little clues like that, um, that, that I, I think the Holy Spirit actually empowers us and puts within us this sort of missional DNA to, to think creatively like that. And that's, at least in my experience, whenever we've done brainstorming sessions as missional communities, hey, we're trying to reach the people around us. What could we do with them? And the brainstorming session is always incredible because uh, people are actually like God given creative, you know, missional energy comes out because, yeah, you don't need a ton of books on that. But I think we, we often don't feel that freedom to think outside the box or, or kind of like your missional community leaders early on. They just kind of look at that one example and say, well, we can't do what Justin and Amber are doing. So maybe it doesn't work for us in the suburbs. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, any other like uh, resources or, or thoughts that, that you think might be helpful for people as they as they navigate some of, like different challenges with communities of different shapes and sizes? Yeah, I think about the the similarities. You know, there there's so many books written today. I mean, about like going to the core of the city and like reaching the core of the city, and and mm -hmm. I just think it's easy to idolize one particular area and demonize another mm -hmm. in our context. I mean, the, the need for the gospel is, is honestly everywhere, whether it be urban city center mm -hmm. or, you know, the more rural areas of, of Utah. I mean, yeah. the, the need is huge. And I think just knowing that, uh, that no matter what community like God has placed you in, that both are made up of people that have, real needs, real struggles. They're in a broken world mm -hmm. where individualism is, is very comfortable and community is fought for. And I, we've had to fight for community, whether it be yeah. in the suburbs or whether it be in city center. And we've seen brokenness yeah. in the suburbs. It looks different. Right. What we call suburban brokenness, it's airbrush brokenness. Mm -hmm. In city center, I mean, you're seeing visible brokenness. You're seeing homelessness, you're seeing broken down buildings, you're seeing drug addiction, you're seeing those things are just as prevalent in the suburb. It's just, uh, it's just painted over. Right. I, I think the challenge in suburban context is trying to figure out how to surface those needs. And how do you, how do you go about actually finding what's there? And, uh, and I think that comes through longevity of just planting yourself in a place and you know, loving your, your neighbors and letting them know you're a safe place to, to come and, and share with. And, and we've done some creative things as well to, to try to surface some of those needs in our neighborhood. That is, yeah, so deeply profound. 
and I think that is kind of how our hearts tend to to move is towards well, this area is more important to God than this other area. It's probably the curse of church planters and uh, the, our excitement for the vision that God's given right. us, right? You know, like Los Angeles is the most important place to do gospel ministry <laughs> in the entire world. Those are things that I I wake up feeling yeah. like I should promote, you know? And I'm sure you feel the same way about the right. Salt Lake City Valley. And it's awesome for us to be passionate about the context that God's given us Absolutely. because they're the people in front of us. I think when we can focus on that, and to also realize the freedom that, yeah, there's so many people that are living in, in suburbs, living in rural places, uh, and living in cities that don't have access to the gospel or access to a community of people that will immerse them in the gospel and demonstrate it and speak it in ways that they can hear. There's just not that many people that have friends like that uh, or relationships with Christians who are sharing the good news of Jesus with them. Uh, there's so many people out there that the context is just circumstantial, right? That the lives of these people is, and their need for, for the good news of Jesus is just so wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so, so deep that, that we should all be as creative as possible and be as That's zealous right. as possible, I guess, uh, as we try new things and not worry about failing or worry about our communities being too big. A lot of times people, you know, your community is probably really large because God is doing something in the lives of people in your community. There's sometimes uh, really healthy and exciting things grow like that. And it's easy to complain, but often there's something that God's doing. And, and even with the plans of multiplying, it can be celebrated and not just viewed as uh, a crowd management problem, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks so much for, for joining me today, Justin. It was yeah, so good to talk uh, to you and yeah, thanks, Brad. And talk to the rest of the world. And, and I hope that this has been super beneficial to all of those listening. I know that it's been beneficial for me and I can already imagine sharing this episode with people within our own church here in LA uh, and it being really encouraging to them because we have that full spectrum too of suburban and urban, different contexts and cultures and different sizes and then thinking it's yeah i think it's so easy to just think well mine doesn't look like theirs so it's a failure i just hope this gives people uh, freedom yeah freedom is such a good thing yeah so thanks for joining us and all you listeners out there thanks for joining us as well as always you can share this with people and yeah enjoy this episode we've got more uh, resources online for, for some of the things that we talked about today. Uh, you could search through uh, shared leadership, multiplication. There's a bunch of resources there that we'd love to, to give you access to. Thanks for joining us. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.